1: Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
2: Hi there. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, big data, fast, Faster, fastest, vroom. Okay, let's get down to business here. Big data continues to dominate the business conversation. All of you have been listening to the show for the past year. No big data is described by 3V attributes, Volume, variety, velocity. Yes, there will be a pop quiz at the end of the show. But the third one, velocity, meaning speed, is grabbing the spotlight today. The bottom line for your business, are you getting the right answers fast enough to support your real-time business needs? Hmm, a lot in that question. The experts speak, and boy, do I have an expert panel for you today. We're going to be first hearing from Lee Dittmar from Deloitte, and here's Lee's quote he sent me. This is something interesting. Analytics prowess will determine winner's and losers. But even as we talk about big data and the importance of predictive analytics, many organizations still struggle to accomplish basic reporting efficiently and effectively. As companies compete for a limited supply of data scientists to perform advanced analytics, there's a lot of work to do to fix the foundation. We'll be talking to Lee in a minute. In the meantime, think about whether that describes your company. A lot of meat on the bones there. We talk frequently about data scientists today. Who are they? And analytics. Lee will help us find out the answers. Also joining us is John H. Fleming, Ph.D. from Gallup. John asked the following questions. How do we ensure quality data? Garbage in, garbage out. We all know that one. Guy go. And he asked this really important question. Is more better? or is better more? <laughs> a lot to talk about with John Fleming as well. And joining us to round out the panel today is Reda, Reza Sudegar from SAP. Reza's been on the show three times in 2012, talking about his book, and we'll chat about that later. And Reza says the following, he's quoting, oh, somebody from way back in history, airplanes are interesting toys, but of no military value. Hmm, wonder what he meant by that. And that's a quote from, for you, history buffs, Marachel. Ferdinand Foch, professor of strategy from the École Supérieure de Guerre. That's the high school or college of war. All the way back in 1904. We'll find out why Reza picked that interesting quote. Stick with me for the next hour here for Business on Speed. Hmm. Real-time insights and execution. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here with episode number 80 in a series we call Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We are live today as Wednesday, April 10th, and it's a gorgeous day here in New York. We'll be finding out what the weather is where my guests are calling from. Before I introduce my esteemed panel, let me have a note here and a question from my Game Changer listeners. You know you have to do it, but just thinking about your big data and harnessing it can be painful. Go to our show page on the Business Channel. Click any Banner, and download a complimentary ebook on how to start eliminating the pain of big data. It's free. It's on us. Now, let me tell you about my panelists. Lee Dittmar is a principal with Deloitte Consulting, LLP, and a senior partner in the information management practice. Lee focuses on consulting programs to improve information management and analytics capabilities. That's why he's here. He's the national sales leader for the Deloitte Analytics Institute and the U.S. Analytics Practice. Hello, Lee. How are you?
3: I'm fine, Bonnie. I'm happy to be here.
2: Good. And here is where? I'm in New York. Where are you today?
3: I am in Berlin, Germany.
2: Berlin, sounds like we're talking through a tunnel. Remember the old tin cans where you used to put a string, a string on either side? I'm happy to have you here, Lee. We have a lot to talk about. That was a great quote, by the way. So hang tight while I introduce your co-panelists and thank you for joining us. John H. Fleming, PhD, is Chief Scientist for Marketplace Consulting and Human Sigma at Gallup. John's consulting insights help Gallup's global clients improve customer engagement and enhance business performance. He is co-author of the book, Human Sigma. And I have to find out what that means. Managing the Employee-Customer Encounter. John Fleming, how are you today?
4: I'm great. Great, Bonnie. How are you? I'm good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Princeton, New Jersey, just down the highway.
2: Okay. Are you having the same gorgeous blue sky sunny day that I am here on Long Island, New York?
4: Yes, it is beautiful here.
2: I'm glad to share the good weather with you, John, and thanks for joining us, and we'll have a lot to talk you about in a moment. And rounding out, as I said, is Reza Sudagar, Senior Director of Marketing at SAP. Reza focuses on database and technology innovations. He has over two decades of experience in business consulting, IT strategy, CRM, that's Customer Relationship Management Solutions, and another author here. Reza is co-author of the 2011 book, The Customer Experience Edge, Technology and Techniques for Delivering an Enduring, Profitable and Positive Experience to Your Customers. He was on the show with me in January and February 2012 with his co-authors three times. Welcome back, Reza. How are you? Bunny,
5: uh, Bonnie. Great. and happy to be here. Thanks for having me again on your oh, show. Oh, d-
2: delighted. Delighted to welcome you back. Always nice to have old friends and good friends here. So, okay, kids, I'll call you kids because I know you're all younger than I am. Let's go take a deep dive into the monologue, my monologue, which included your wonderful quote. So, Lee... Ditmar, from Deloitte. Let's kick this off. There's a lot here, Lee. Analytics prowess will determine winners and losers. You're talking about the limited supply of data scientists, and basically you're saying that some companies just don't get the basic reporting right yet, so why would they look at big data and analytics? Talk to me, Lee. How bad is the situation? What's your view from the Deloitte
3: Tower? Well, thanks, Bonnie. You know, my report from the field is this, Bonnie. I don't have a single customer, not one, that would say, they're good. They're where they need to be in terms of their ability to get the right information in the right place at the right time. Now, think about that. I've been doing this for three decades. I've asked this question uh, of individual customers, of audiences of a thousand. Does anybody here believe that they work for an organization, they can get the right information to the right place at the right time with the right attributes? You know, uh-huh. I haven't had a single hand go up, Bonnie. So here wow. we are. We've got data new sources of data, we've got social media, we've got, you know, signals on all types of devices. We talk about the internet of things, data on everything that's now available. And yet many companies, many really, really great companies are still uh, in the process of, of making it easier to provide the information they need to run the business. You know, they want to move toward predictive analytics where they can anticipate what, you know, a particular action will cause to happen. But, you know, in order to do that first, you're going to have to make it a lot easier to know what happens so that you can start answering questions about why things are happening. So, I mean, this whole big data uh, topic, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those phrases. Everybody hates it. It means nothing. It means everything. But mm-hmm. it certainly is causing companies to be introspective and, and look at their whole uh, all of their capabilities with regard to information management.
2: Very interesting. Uh, well, we're going to touch base with you throughout the show, obviously, especially in the roundtable, Lee, and find out. I want to know, and we'll, we'll get to this later because I want to get John and Reza in on this as well. Uh, we're we're going to want to know what kinds of companies are we talking about from your field research at Deloitte and what you think they can do to make it better. Uh, you know, the building blocks, you got to start from the bottom and work your way up, and you're absolutely right. Let's turn to John Fleming from Gallup. John, how do we ensure quality data? Garbage in, garbage out. I love that old Geico thing. It's more more better is better more. So, do you have an answer, John? More better, better more. Talk to me.
4: Well, you know, you 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 pose a really, or I pose a really challenging question. the uh, The train of big data is bearing down on us, but there are a number of things that we really have to take into account when we're thinking, particularly uh, about understanding customers and understanding employees, which is kind of the sweet spot we live in. Um, you know, we have some pretty hard and fast rules developed over. Uh, many decades in how we collect data from those groups, how we understand it, and how we know whether those data are in fact valid or not but there 's a competing tendency in the world these days, um, which is just getting oodles and oodles or tons and tons of data and believing that it points you in the right direction you know there 's a big caution in there, um, implied and now made uh, explicit, which is you know, you can have a lot of data that's really bad, and that's just a lot of bad data. So, mm-hmm. you know, the caution really has to be around, are we getting the right quality data that we're dumping into our enterprise systems, uh, and have we really uh, done our due diligence to make sure that we're not just providing our leadership and our line folks with uh, a lot of misleading or potentially destructive information?
2: dazzling them. I'm thinking of the old uh, what was the old Maxim, John um, like a kid in a candy store you go in and your eyes are dazzling wow, we can collect data about this and about that and look at how much stuff is pouring in. We are rich with data. Do you think that's that excitement, that newness is part of the issue? Is garbage in garbage out?
4: Well, I think that's a part of it. You know, It's the new shiny object. Everybody's talking about Mm -hmm. it. Everybody wants to be on that train. Um, but, you know, as with anything, and, and we've seen this over the last 20 years, you know, ultimately we'll take a step back and go, you know, we were a little bit enthusiastic and maybe didn't see some of the signposts along the way. Uh, hopefully we'll consider some of those before we, um, you know, make the same kind of mistakes with this technology that we have with others.
2: Very good points. Thank you, John. Let's move to Reza Sudegar. Reza, airplanes are interesting toys, but of no military value. You brought me a quote from 1904. Are you a history buff? Is this Ecole Supérieure de guerre, something you follow from 1904? Reza, talk to me. <laughs>
5: uh, but Bunny, what's interesting about this quote is uh, if, you, if you look at it, the, the disruptions that happens and, and people and companies tend to ignore it, uh, and that's an example uh, Planes was, was destruction at that time in, in the uh, military. Today we have big data. Uh, managing big data and the capability to, to understand and turn this into insight is a strategic differentiator. Uh, and I believe what will happen is as we move forward, uh, this capability is going to widen the gap between great companies and the others. The high performers are going to do really well at this. And uh, other companies will will fail if if they can't uh, get a handle on that. We just saw JCPenney is a great example. CEO got ousted a few days ago. Because these guys were just not able to manage and understand how their, the changing business model, the change that would put in the pricing and discounting and uh, promotion would affect their business. They were not able to – they had the data, but they had no capability to understand and analyze it. And that's one of the reasons that the Wall Street is saying these guys failed. And that's why the guy got ousted. So you will see more and more of these stories happen. And I think we see, we see them every day, but you will see more and more of these happen every day.
2: Reza, quickly, before we go to break, I have a question. You mentioned J.C. JCPenney, big company, big, giant, behemoth, well-known brand. The companies that are going to be able to deal with this in the immediate, the near future, if you will, are they the big guys or would they be more the SMEs, the small to mid-sized enterprises? Or on the far end of the spectrum, do you think startups have a better chance of getting it right from the get-go? Give me a, a 30-second answer. Go.
5: You know, I, I think it's, it's companies really across the board. Some people have really understood the value of, uh, uh, of managing data, and they are getting better at understanding what they have. It's not data storage that's a problem. It's turning that into something that's usable. So you will see a, a gamut of capabilities, even at the consumer level, uh, to be able to understand data and use it all the way to big companies.
2: Okay, thank you very much. You know what? We're at the time when I have to take a break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're talking today about big data. Fast, faster, fastest, garbage in, garbage out. Is your company poised on the brink of really getting it right, getting the good stuff out of all that data? Is it coming in too fast? Do you want to slow it down? Do you know what the heck you're doing? We're talking with Lee Dittmar from Deloitte, John Fleming from Gallup, and Reza Sudagar from SAP. They are smart. They will help you figure it out. Don't even think of time. Watching that app, we'll be right back. Brad out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP
2: For our regular listeners, you know what's next. I want to ask my guests, what's in your cup today? Let's start with Lee Dittmar calling in from Berlin, Germany. Lee, what time of day and what are you drinking?
3: Well, Bonnie, it's uh, 20 past 5 here, and pretty soon I'm going to have a fine glass of wine. But let me tell you what uh, what's in my cup these days. Since the first of the year, I have been experimenting with creating a different green and fruit shake every day mixing vegetables that some of you probably wouldn't even want to eat into very tasty, <laughs> scrumptious, healthy things. And I'll tell you what, I'm just uh, addicted to my Nutribullet.
2: Wow, Nutribullet. Is this something you made up or do you buy it in a package? Is it powdered or it's all fresh no, and you ne- just you just go through the I garden mean- and say I want three of this and four of that? How do you do it?
3: No, Nutribullet is the machine. It's this uh, sort of individual server-sized blender that it just uh, turns – whatever you put in it, into uh, a wonderful, smooth drink. So I'm a creator. I love uh, figuring out new concoctions, and what a blast. And it's it's actually healthy, believe it or not.
2: That's very exciting. And you take it when you travel? You take it with you?
3: You know, I, I, I actually look for places. There's a lot of these boutiques all around the world that are specializing in uh, – I guess it's not just me, right? This is the fad, right? What can we grind up and, and make into a healthy drink? So, uh, <laughs> I think it's something. been
2: going on – I think it's been going on for a long time. The technology is just making it a little easier to transport across state lines. Thank you, Lee. That's very interesting. I want your recipe. Please tweet it to us at hashtag SAP Radio. Today's recipe. We all want to get healthy. John Fleming from Gallup. What are you drinking today, John?
4: Well, i got to tell you, Bonnie, I have probably the world's most perfect chai latte from a little uh, coffee roaster here in Princeton, New Jersey called Small World Coffee. So... If anybody uh, happens to be in Princeton, stop by at the Small World. You'll get a a really good latte or a really good coffee. That's what I'm drinking.
2: Well, I'm sure they appreciate the plug, and we're always happy to know small places that do a good job on coffee drinks. Thank you, John. And let's turn to Reza. What's in your cup today, my friend?
5: Hey, boy, Today I'm having a very, very large uh, uh, grapefruit juice to get the vitamin C that I need to be on your on your, on your show. <laughs>
2: I have to know: Is it pink grapefruit? Is it the sweet kind, it or is it is the pink. bracing
5: it kind? Pink grapefruit, and it
2: how did I know? Now, we have. speaking of pink grapefruit, we have a tweet here from our friend Kristen Mestri at SAP, and she says, After starting off my sunny Miami morning with a run, good for you, Kristen. My breakfast beverage is Pepsi's finest H2O Aquafina. Bravo, Aquafina. And we have a note here from the lovely... Oh, Margot Heiligman usually tells us what she's drinking, but today she just says she's tuning in. This is great news. Margot, always happy to have you on board. And let's see if Malcolm is telling us what he's drinking. No, not yet, but he's usually an Equator Coffees fan. And as for me, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. So it's just plain water with a Brita filter. What can I tell you? So now it's time to get serious here. Let's kick off the roundtable. That's why everybody tuned in to find out the words of wisdom from my three guests. Lee Ditmar, I want to start with you. You sent me some notes before the show. A very, very interesting in terms of putting the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart. You say mastering your small data is the first step to to tapping into the power of big data. Descriptive analytics comes before predictive analytics. Let's kick this off. Lee, what, what are you talking about, and, and how can listeners understand this and, and take some action based on these words?
3: No, absolutely, Bonnie, yes. Yeah. So when I say small data, what I'm talking about, it, it isn't necessarily small. I'm talking about the, the data that companies have been managing or trying to manage uh, you know, for years already. You know, information about their customers, about their suppliers, about profitability, their own data. You know, with acquisitions and mergers and a lot of other drivers in the markets, you know, companies have added complexity, right? Not, not simplified in terms of that ability to manage that data. So the key is that if you're going to deal with this increasing variety and velocity of data from sources coming Out in the environment, out from customers, out from other sources, it has to be added into data about your core business operations and your, that's where the value comes. And so there's been a lot of inertia in organizations in terms of, well, let's make sure we can add up everything in our business. Let's not get into real technical terms, but you know, can we, can we determine exactly how many customers we have? Can we find out how much we buy from particular suppliers? And believe it or not, here in 2013, we, you know, there are many companies that still have a hard time doing that. It still takes too much manual effort. It's not sufficiently automated. Um, and, you know, the, the, I think a really important thing, Body, think about us as consumers, right? In the consumer mm-hmm. world, we pick up our iPod or our, our iPad, and we push the button, and we expect things to happen. And how fast do we expect things to render to get answers to questions? We expect Instant. it right away. When we get into the company, we'll get, get to work. We can't, we can't answer questions that quickly, can we? It's a little harder. It takes a study. It takes a team. So that's what I'm talking about. We gotta make that as good internally as the, as we expect in the consumer world so we can move to the advanced capabilities.
2: Lee, thank you. When we get to the final section of the show, the final segment is the crystal ball. I'm going to ask you to look ahead and predict when this is going to happen. So please keep that in mind for your predictions. We always look ahead to 2018. Thanks. Great great way to start off the roundtable. John Fleming, I want to bring you into this. And you told me the following, some interesting thoughts about trends. And that's what we're really talking about is what are we doing with this trend called big data? And everybody on the panel, we have to get to the word speed and the velocity part of the three Vs because that's our theme today. So we're Laying the groundwork, level setting right now, we gotta get into the speed of, and later on in the roundtable. So, John Fleming, you said, an emerging trend is for technology suppliers to enter the domain of opinion research, data collection, analytics, in an attempt to merge them with other big data streams. So, what about the rules, the rules of data being valid in this, in this new trend? Are they tossing the rules to the wind, John, and just saying, ah, more, 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 let's go grab it and see what words of wisdom. What's happening?
4: Well, first, let me say that I agree with, uh, with Lee entirely. I have mm-hmm. a boatload of clients who also um, haven't managed their small data yet, and that's, that's partly where some of the concern uh, and some of the worry that I have is about using big data to do everything. Uh, as I said, one of the, the trends that we're seeing is for big analytics, big uh, IT companies to acquire or build capabilities to collect data and when I'm doing when I'm talking about that what I'm talking about is survey data customer mm-hmm. satisfaction types of surveys employee data and you know over the last hundred years or so opinion pollsters have developed some pretty good methods for ensuring that the data we collect which is based on populations of large numbers of people uh, is accurate and, and valid um, you know what we're seeing now is a tendency to go out and collect a lot of data from people we don't understand very well. One of the underpinnings of valid data collection is knowing the underlying group of people you're talking to, selecting those people randomly to participate in your survey. Uh, That allows us to make projective types of, of descriptions of what the data are telling us. If you just go out and ask a whole bunch of people to uh, respond to an Internet or an app survey, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen is you'll get selective people uh, responding. And we simply don't know who those people are, the ways in which it biases the results. And we could be sending uh, our own teams, our own uh, marketing and operations professionals off in very wrong directions uh, with the guidance we get from just large sort of unclean data.
2: Very interesting, and, and I want to come back later on in the roundtable, John, and talk about your comments to me about bad data, bad analytics, and erroneous insights, which will be a jumping-off point from from what you just said. Thank you, and Reza, I need to get you in here as well. Reza, l- let's introduce the concept of speed. You tell me, real time, right time, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about the new culture of speed and expectation of speed. So we're talking about all that data is out there, and John saying, "Wow, let's go get it. Let's just put a survey up, blah blah blah. Whoever answers, we'll find some insights. Maybe not." Maybe Maybe they're bad. Maybe they're unfounded. Maybe it's the wrong people answering the wrong question at the wrong time of day. And you really end up with nothing of any real importance. So where does speed come into this, Reza Sudagar?
5: So, this, the speed what we are seeing is that many clients out there, uh, their customers are, are expecting things to happen much faster than before. Mm-hmm. The speed of the business has really evolved over the past 10 years from days, uh, to, to carry out the transactions now to, to minutes and seconds. By the same token, the data that needs to support this business needs to be delivered, refreshed, be as, as, as current as possible. So, that's why We are seeing a tipping point going on out there where companies, uh, as as Lee mentioned, not only they have to get really good at managing the traditional data sources and really get a good handle of that, but at the same time, they don't have the luxury to wait. They have to get the handle on this unstructured big data that comes from different sources to make heads and tails of it and use that to enrich their business process and also speed up their business process. Companies who can't do this, will are gonna have a hard time surviving in the next decade. The speed is becoming part of our DNA today, uh, and it's becoming really a differentiator between people who can, uh, or who can compete better, open new markets, or the ones that are gonna fail. And s- speed is, uh, not only about data, but also about process execution. And, and you can see the merging of the two worlds together Uh, data can't be static anymore it can't sit in data warehouses and be called on uh, you know once a month to get a report it needs to be part of the daily operations of every company
2: we are impatient we do want it now right time real time and all that good stuff lee dipmar from deloitte i want you to jump in do you agree with what reza is saying about the expectation of speed is it going to be a deal breaker for companies that can't get the right data out there fast enough what do you think
3: no, absolutely. I think it's the it's the next competitive frontier. I think we could see brands that we know and love right now suffer and even fail uh, if they don't get on with it. Right? Think about the mobile revolution. Think about you know mobile commerce. You know, Reza is exactly right that this is this isn't about episodic type analysis or studies. You know, more of what John may spend most of his time doing. This is about data driven business uh, innovation. You know, in the the past, right, it was instinct and experience that drove that decision-making, right? Business processes are designed around rules. They're not optimized for the variability that actually happens. So think about this. If the company that can tap into data in real time and make the right decisions at the front line, optimize more of those decisions, are going to do more. It's not this. A lot of people think that big data is about going off and doing, you know, big episodic studies. The real value, right, is how you bring that into action, into the front line of decisions that are made every day by individuals, not just the science, not just the data scientists, which is really very important. So that's essential. And then, you know, I got a comment on John's thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm all about quality data, but frankly, I'm, I'm really tired of hearing data quality being used as a reason, as an excuse to not improve the analytic tools and the capabilities that are given to business users. We do surveys all the time, and, and John, you probably see this too. It's number one or number two every time about why we don't why we don't and can't improve our analytic capabilities. And you know what? I, my my opinion is that sometimes we just got to embrace the dirt and the data. It's our data. Let's use it to the best of our ability. We're not going to make it better if we don't use it. We're not going to make it better if we don't analyze it. So. Um, you know, just to put a little controversy out there,
2: John. I love controversy. You know what, John Fleming, I'm going to have you hold your, take a deep breath and hold it because we're going to come back at about 57 seconds and you're going to open up the second part of the roundtable. John Fleming will talk to Lee Ditmar and Reza, you can jump in at any time. We're talking about, well, uh, as Lee calls, as uh, John calls it, uh, are we just going to get any old data, faster, cheaper, just get it in? Is it bad? Is it erroneous? Is it going to screw your company up royally? Or as Lee says, for God's sake, it's data, find a way to use it, let's find something good out there among the weeds we'll be right back we're talking about business on speed real time insights and execution i'm bonnie DeGram. this is coffee break with game changers we'll be right back don't even think of touching that app brad out
1: from the boardroom to you voice america business network Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business.
2: Here we are. Je pense donc, je suis, and all that good stuff. John Fleming, Ph.D., Chief Scientist for Marketplace Consulting and Human Sigma. And by the way, Malcolm has got your book up on Twitter stream. Anybody wants to see Human Sigma, we've got a picture of it. Human Sigma Managing the Employee Customer Encounter at hashtag SAP Radio. And Reza Sudagar, another guest on our panel, also an author. Customer Experience Edge is also up and showing on our stream. So, John Fleming, we want to get back to what Lee Dittmar said. We have a little contention and controversy here. What do you? Say, John Fleming, talk to me.
4: Uh, it's not so much contention. I, I I agree with Lee. You know, we do, we do have to step back and and not be so stodgy and and resistant to change and and all of that. And I accept that. Um, but here's what I've been seeing. Um, there's a distinction we need to make between being nimble, which is what every organization wants to be in terms of its yes. data and its ability to to respond to changing circumstances. That's fabulous. But there's a a version of that that I'd call corporate ADD. And that is what happens when the data are changing so rapidly that you can't actually put in place a consistent and long-term strategy to respond to those data. We see it every day with with clients who get, for example, action alerts from their customers who say, you know, I had a problem with this or I had a problem with that. And they end up chasing their tail. You know, I I have a dog – uh, I'm sure anybody who's a dog owner has seen this before. You know, my dog will be paying attention to something and a rabbit will come out and the dog's all over that and then they'll see a squirrel and they're all over that. Uh, you know, that's kind of what we see in the corporate world when data come in so rapidly that you don't have a chance to think about it. So all I'm suggesting is let's make sure that our analytics and our understanding of the data uh are deep enough so that we're not collecting bad data, we're not making bad decisions, and that we don't give the organization a really serious case of corporate uh, ADD.
2: John, I want to push it before I think Res is going to jump in here. I want to push it one more step a little bit further. I have in my notes here that you say if the data rules about data validity are ignored, the data are at best, and here we go, useless, at worst, potentially damaging and dangerous. When is data dangerous, John? How bad could it be?
4: Well, you know in the and, and again, this is specifically focused on opinion data that we collect from our customers, our suppliers our, our employees. Mm-hmm. You know the basic rules of thumb is that we sample, so we talk to a small number of people. Uh, and they are supposed to be representative of the larger population of our customers or employees or whatever. And if we follow some basic rules like random sampling and everybody has an equal chance of being in the sample and so on, that small sample becomes projectable to the larger population. Okay. But there are a couple of other assumptions that you have to make. Number one, you know what that larger population is. And for a lot of these kind of uh, app-driven or web-driven information sources, we simply don't know that. So we don't know who's out there. There's a lot of lurkers and a lot of folks that maybe we don't want in in our data. Mm-hmm. But we haven't yet gotten to the point. I believe we will, and we'll talk about this in the, la- the, the late segment. Um, I believe we'll come to a point where we understand both the benefits and limitations of large data in in public opinion polling. We're just not quite there yet. So when I talk about damaging, if we see substantial findings in opinion data that are collected poorly, they can send us off in absolutely the wrong direction, spending precious resources and treasure uh, on things that either don't matter or, in some cases, can actually undermine our strategy in the market. So that's when I I say dangerous, I mean dangerous.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Reza, what do you think? I know your, your belief is that big data in the hands of your customers is a game changer. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And do you agree with John's position on the value of valid data?
5: Uh, you know, the, so data uh, we talked about data quality. I just want to like, have one comment there. I, I don't think we'll ever have clean data. That won't happen. Mm. There's always going to be noise and signal and companies and people need to make that determination what they want to listen to, what, they, what signal and what makes sense to them and where to value lies. Uh, but if you can't Change, change things around a bit and look at this thing from the perspective of the customers. There is a huge opportunity uh, to create value for the customers through big data. Uh, for instance, look at uh, energy, uh, energy market uh, with the smart meters that are now installed in every pretty much every home in the U.S. Right? Anybody can, if you can tap into that, you can do a better job managing your cost of energy. View have a better view of how you use energy, how you want to even produce energy if you have solar panels, etc. And really engage with the energy provider now extend this to everything else that we do as consumers. if we have those things in our hands right if the the, uh, the vendors or the companies we interact with actually think about how they can empower us as consumers with the big data, that could be a real game changer so uh, danger, yes, it exists. But if you if you look at if you look at these projects from a value-driven perspective, both for the enterprise and f- and for the consumer, there might be really nuggets out there for many companies to create differentiation.
2: Lee, Deloitte, what do you think?
5: Well, I think that the way to deal
3: with the the risk of of, uh, of the problems that we're talking about here, especially what John was talking about, is you know you can get buried in data, you can get ADD, no doubt about that. Data overload, information deficit. We think the key is knowing what questions you're trying to answer first. I mean, we don't have time for just academic studies of large data. The noise to signal ratio is very high. And I think that's what underlines, you know, John's point. So the art of the deal is how do we get the signal that matters so that we can use it to the benefit of our customers and of, and of the enterprise? I think that's absolutely true. You know, Reza's talking about a couple examples. We could spend the whole hour, I could talk to you about innovations that are happening right now uh, that are going to change uh, the, the the world of the access to data and the use of data uh, over the next several years at speed, talk about speed that we haven't even thought about. You know, an example right now, you know, Shopkick's got this geo-coupon system, automatically mm-hmm. recognizes you when you walk into a retail store and pushes you an offer that's particular to, to you. There's been over a billion dollars in deal views and, and and five million in walk-ins. You know, one retailer attributed fifty million dollars in incremental revenue in a very short period due to this type of, of technology. And it is it is big data. You know, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be large volumes of data. It's about new sources that that fall under this rubric of big data. You know, it isn't just about the volume. So, I mean, it's. We we have to find new ways. One of the things that I think I said to you, Bonnie, in preparing for this show is that we actually have to forget all the historical rules about how to manage data that uh, we've had in the past. We need new ways to deal with these three V's, right? Otherwise, because no company can afford to set up, uh, you know, the storage for the, all of the data they might possibly want. New business models, new new players will come into play that will be intermediaries for that, but. You know, we we need new ways, but the old way isn't gonna work in the in the future.
2: Thank you, Lee. I have a question for all of my panelists. Lee mentioned in his opening quote, a limited supply of data scientists. We're talking about companies need to, they need to, we need to. Who are the they? Who are the we? Who are these data scientists? Why is there a limited supply? How can we grow more of them? How can we grow a new crop of data scientists who get this, G-E-T, get this, understand the need for speed, the need for validity, the need for the right survey population, the need to validate data and have it go out as fast as possible but be as clean and useful as possible who wants to take this who are these scientists what schools are they coming out of are they among us as we speak does every company have them can a company grow them from scratch somebody help me out here data scientists Bonnie, let's I'll,
3: let's Bunny, <coughs> excuse me i'll go first you know Harvard you. business review back in october said that uh, data scientists was going to be the sexiest job of the 21st century so how about that for an ad
2: so these I are love the, that. <laughs> these,
3: are the, these are the professionals that, that have the combination of the technique, the tools, the how to work with data, sometimes particular domain expertise. So here's the fact, guys. There's a shortage of them. There are only a handful of universities with advanced degrees, and these individuals coming out of these advanced degrees, the data scientists, are being just bombarded with offers. There's a competition for them. In fact, Supply and demand are going to be so far out of whack that it's going to take new models. You know, many companies won't be able to afford them. Many companies are going to have to sort of buy it as a service until the supply and demand uh, somehow get into uh, into balance. But but you know, one of the things I want to say here, Bunny, is that not every person needs to be a data scientist. It's a component in the recipe of an or- of a company that wants to be analytically driven. The data scientist capability is one ingredient. Right? You got to have that part. But there's other types of of capabilities, other business analysts and so forth. So, uh, you know, the financial houses, the investment houses are are, uh, are 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 picking these people up quickly. Firms like mine, consulting firms, are picking these up people, these people up quickly. So uh, we've got a real supply demand uh, imbalance. So those of you looking for a new career. Get the sexiest job of the 21st
2: century. I can see this starting to – I watch a lot of police (laughs) procedurals on TV, crime dramas. I can see them saying, oh, my God, the the chief data scientist at XYZ Corporation has just been kidnapped. We have to get him back.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Bonnie, one thing is out there is – I I think there was a myth out there that the – uh, big data projects or data management projects or these analytics projects are huge. They're complex. They need mm-hmm. uh, PhDs and data scientists. The reality is that I, I think for many enterprises, actually, these are not that hard to do. These are not... That difficult projects to, to execute, uh, you, when you look at, uh, you, when you kind of break it down to what is read your main share business, what piece of big data do you, do you really want to analyze, what answers you're looking for, and look at from that, that perspective, these projects actually become uh, uh, relatively simple compared to large ERP implementations that we had in the past. You can get a lot of value very quickly, and that's what we've, see, what we've seen with a lot of our customers uh, across the boards who worked on uh, our latest uh, uh, big data projects. These are about three, four-month projects that had very, very concrete business value. So I would say you don't need necessarily to populate your company with PhDs, but it's about understanding what, Uh, what questions you want to answer and how you want to get information to the the right people and then execute projects projects around it.
2: I like that approach, a reality-based approach. Anybody else? We have uh, about a minute until we go to break before we go to our crystal ball segment. Who wants to close this out for me? Anybody got some additional thoughts?
4: Let me me just make a a case for an underutilized uh, set of folks in terms of data scientists, and that is, Uh, in my view, the need to move away from, you know, just pure IT types of expertise, but uh, to embrace folks who also have social science expertise, at least within the sphere of stuff that we work with, interpreting data from human beings very often requires, you know, a knowledge of how they think and how they act. And, And there is a crop of folks out there uh, training traditionally for academic jobs uh, that would be perfect for that kind of application in the business world. I just spoke to a bunch of them this weekend uh, at Princeton University. I'm sure they're out there all over the place.
2: This is John speaking, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, John. I have to tell everyone that before you went to work for Gallup, you were a member of the psychology faculty at the University of Minnesota. You hold a Ph.D. in social psychology and a master's in psychology from your alma mater, Princeton University. So there, so you do have a basis, and you, uh, your, let's see, your um, research has been published and covered in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, Social Cognition, Journal of Experimental Social Psych. John, I have an unused, <laughs> an unused bachelor in just general psychology from way back in the day never did anything about it but I think it helps me understand people a little bit better you know what we're just about ready to go on break I want my panel to prepare okay John Reza and Lee I want you to take out that old chamois or whatever you're using I want you to polish off the crystal ball I want you to look ahead to the year 2018 if you can't go that far or you want to be adventurous and go farther let me know when we come back from the break we're going to find out what in your humble opinion all three of you your educated opinion what will be Big data, big data validity, and the speed of big data, that V word velocity, be like five years from today. Go ahead and draw that line in the sand, put that stake in the ground, and tell us what your predictions are. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss the predictions. These are going to be great. Brad out.
1: You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.graham at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers.
2: Here we are, and a reminder for all of my Game Changer listeners, you can go to our page on the business channel, click any of the SAP gold and black banners, and you'll go to a page with a bunch of free informational offers. Go look for something about harnessing your business's big data without the pain. We've got some great information for you. It's free. Go get it, kids. Okay. My guests have been busy polishing off the crystal ball, and it's time for us to find out what they're really thinking. What are they seeing? Can we go five years ahead with Lee Dittmar from Deloitte? Lee, how far ahead can you look
3: for us? Well, just looking at five years, I think what we'll, we'll see is organizations, actually able to use technologies that exist today. Because the technology capabilities and also the analytic capabilities that are available are actually ahead of what is able to be absorbed by most enterprises right now. It's just the, just the reality. What I believe, if we're having the same conversation in five years, we will be talking about leading companies in every industry and in every sector that have a democratization of data, that the water cooler conversation is not about how hard it is to find uh, data and to turn it into information. It'll be all about innovation. Um, we will have real-time enterprises, and they'll, the business processes will be uh, revised and designed, and the organizational and decision frameworks will be changed so that they can literally operate in real-time. Because, Bonnie, the reality is, is that we're talking about speed today, most companies, their processes, and their organizations. If we gave them real-time data, they probably couldn't use it. But in Mm. five years, the winners will. And they'll be applying it in every domain, uh, in every functional area of the company, and it will be table stakes in terms of pleasing your external customers.
2: Thank you very much, Lee Dittmar from Deloitte. Let's turn to John H. Fleming, Ph.D. from Gallup, Human Sigma. By the way, quickly, John, Human Sigma, what is that?
4: Uh, put it in a nutshell, it's a, a way of uh, thinking about quality uh, from the human point of view, looking at your customers and your employees in a in a disciplined kind of way, as it allows you to make uh, serious improvements without wasting a lot of resources. In Thank a nutshell.
2: you very much. Okay, appreciate the nutshell. Crack that wide open. Okay, what are your predictions for big data, the speed, the validity, the usefulness in 2018, John Fleming?
4: Well, I'm going to shrink my time frame down to two years. My uh, prediction is that there's going to be a revolution in data analytics in terms of the rules of the game. I talked earlier about well-established rules uh, for using data, survey and opinion data. I think there's going to be a revolution in how we think about that and the, uh, the way that we can incorporate large amounts of data coming from places we're not exactly sure of where they come from, but making accurate uh, and realistic and valid types of uh, predictions about what people are liable to do. So that's in the two-year time frame. I think that the people in the five-year time frame, we're going to see a revolution in how uh, universities actually train people for for this work. Uh, instead of focusing on single disciplines, we're going to see uh, professionals coming out of colleges and universities that have Two, three, four multidisciplinary types of, of, uh, areas of focus. You know, IT plus psychology plus neuroscience, for example. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that change is already underway. We're seeing it at major research institutes right now, and I think that'll just be the, uh, uh the coin of the realm in five years.
2: Wonderful. Thank you so much, John Fleming, and Reza Sudegar, Senior Director of Marketing at SAP, focusing on database and technology innovations. Reza, how far ahead can you look? What does your crystal ball show today?
5: Uh, Bonnie, looking five years out, I think the big, big surprise for us will be how the consumers will leverage big data how do consumers will leverage big data to optimize their lives, uh, all the way from the, the way they manage their uh, their their healthcare, to manage their expenses, manage their energy. Everything else you will see a class of applications, analytical applications that, uh, delivered in forms of mobile apps mobile apps to to consumers over the next five years that really uh, is going to continue changing the game and putting the power back in the hand of the consumers. I believe the, the next decade will be the decade of the customer and the consumers, and that 's where we will see the biggest surprise for the enterprises and where innovation really needs to happen to make the connection uh, um, and uh, I, I don't think the pressure is going to go off the enterprise uh, uh, to, to meet customer expectations based on this.
2: Interesting. Okay. Thank you very much, Reza. I'm going to ask a bonus. Yes. Brad is saying time really flew by today. Brad's our engineer. Yes, it did. And it is. And darn, we're almost out of time. I'm going to throw a bonus question at my guests because you were all so concise and so beautifully succinct in your predictions. We have about, let's see, two minutes left for just schmoozing around a little bit here. Pardon the word. And I want to know, let's start with Lee Ditmar at Deloitte. Lee, the data scientist of the future, 2018. What school will that person come from? Which of those multidisciplinary degrees or majors will they have? Will they come from a college background? Could they be somebody homegrown who's just out there just sitting at home watching Jeopardy and listening to our show and gathering all this information and just t- taking it all in and has a supercomputer for a brain that just knows how to see data and process it? Who will this data scientist of the future, the one who's the sexiest of the sexy, who will they be, Lee? Mark, talk to me.
4: Uh, well, I think
3: I think in the short term we're going to see the <laughs> The you know these degree programs expand uh, to many universities that have uh, wherever there's an, an you know, MBA programs and and uh, operational research. I mean that's what we used to call analytics, right? Operations research, right? When I when I studied it, that's what we called it. But I, I think we're going to see that expand. But here's what I think is the bigger trend. I think we're going to just see a. a uh, a, a back to some what I would call back to basics. I was originally trained as an engineer. Our work was all about analytics when I did engineering, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see analytics in everything, right? Like, what does the data show? So as opposed to just theories and hypotheses that are database, what we're going to see, I think, in in many of the disciplines and in, uh, in, in the training, we're going to see analytics sort of baked into everything more. And so, We're going to be, you know, I think Reza was talking about it's going to affect consumers. We're going to have information at fingertips. And so it's going to be something we're going to find to be pervasive. It's just going to be necessary. It's certainly how we're running our business today, analytics and everything we do.
2: Thank you, Lee. John Fleming, Gallup, will Princeton be growing the – I'm going to let you do a little hometown alma alma mater uh, chest-thumping here. Will Princeton be growing the smartest data analysts who will be the sexiest of the sexy? John?
4: Well, if if I can be so bold, they probably are already. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you, know, you know, the the answer is that I that I think they're going to come from some surprising places. I'm not I'm not sure that the, you know, the current uh, stack ranking is necessarily going to be the right one uh, for the future. But I do think that the kind of person that's going to succeed going forward is somebody who can see things across traditional boundary uh, discipline boundaries, Mm -hmm. who is not you know as narrowly focused but is uh, multi dimensionally focused. You know I I see it in my kids now; they're able to multitask in ways that I never could before, and I think that is a, a, a a kind of a metaphor for the kind of people that are going to be running around in, in our organizations in the future, really the ability to see patterns and to what we call chasing rabbits and finding mm-hmm. insights that are not, you know, obvious to everybody else. That, that's going to be the most valuable person in, in the company in the future.
2: Thank you, John. And, Reza, I can give you exactly 20 seconds because I'm running out of time now. So will SAP be growing these data scientists, do you think, your colleagues?
5: Uh, Bonnie, I, I think the, uh, we will be growing this, but mostly throughout ena- enabling the consumers. I think you will have many, 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 many junior data analysts running around with their with their <laughs> mobile apps analyzing the data that's relevant to them for their personal use, and that's going to be the big it. evolution.
2: I love it. Thank you all. It's time for me to do my predictions, and mine are written down so they're easy. Coming up on Coffee Break with Game Changers, you know where we are. Wednesday, 8 Pacific in the morning, 11 Eastern, where I am. Wednesday, April 17th, next week, SME, Small to Mid-Size Enterprises, Concerns and Opportunities in Developed and Emerging Countries. You're looking to go global? You don't want to miss that show. Wednesday, April 24th, Care Circles app in honor of Autism Awareness Month. We'll be talking about the ability of mobility and health care and medical records. We have some very touching, very poignant stories to share with you. Autism, big buzzword in healthcare. You don't want to miss that show. And May 1st, wow, social business networking for the next generation with Boston College Professor Jerry Kane, two of his graduate students and guess who's coming back on the show with me? SAP's Mark Yolton and Todd Wilms together on SAP Radio. What a show. And we also have a new show on Tuesdays, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon here on the Business Channel. We'll be taping at the end of this week a special called Board Risk Oversight. What are the regulators really saying? You really want to hear that one? And next Tuesday, April 16th, live Business Innovations and Transformations with EPM, Enterprise Performance Management. Special thank yous to Lee Ditmar. Lee, wonderful. Keep up the acting. I can hear it in your voice. You're, you're right on the spot there, kid. Right in the spotlight. John Fleming, delightful to have you. Best wishes to you. and. Keep going with Gallup and Reza. I want to know if there's another book in the wind, but that's another show. I want to say thank you, shout-outs to Anka, Rebel, Malcolm, Kimberlin, and the Business Channel team. And here's my call to action. You ready? Put your seatbelt on. Here we go, guys. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham for Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.